what? What is over your camera? <laughs> I look up and there's like... The question is, will Caroline ever have her shit together by the time it's time to record? I mean, no. Look, here's the thing. If I ever have my shit together by the time it's time to record, we'll be... If we ever, if the two of us ever do it on the same day, I don't even know. It's over for you bitches. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to take over the rest of the world is what's going to happen at that point. Speaking of taking over the world. (laughs) He did it. I mean, I had no doubt, really. I don't get, okay, just kidding. I had a little doubt. I had a little doubt because I have almost no faith in people to do the right thing. This is the truth. And like. I don't know. Something like, what, 45% of them totally did the shitty thing? So, I mean, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be weird if everybody voted for the same person. I did read a stat, and I don't know if it's true or not, because, you know, it's on Google. It doesn't mean it's true if it's on Google, (laughs) that Joe Biden had the most votes out of any U.S. president so far, which I believe because I feel like a lot that of people is, this year got out to that vote. That is true um, because it's, I mean, for one thing, lots more people voted. But for another thing, our population's higher. Mm, that's so, true. So, you know, true. there is that. But a lot, of, a lot more people voted, too, because people cared. Yeah. And yet we still ended up with almost a 50-50 split. So, I don't know. I don't know what that. I don't know what to think about that, really. That tells you where we are as a country, I guess. I forgot to put my headphones on, so let me do that real quick. Okay. I just don't understand, I guess, what... I genuinely can't figure out what would possess a person to want someone like Donald Trump to be president. Or what would possess a person to even, like, hire Donald Trump to do a job? I do not know. My mindset will never be one of it will never be that way but my husband made a good point that it's almost and we've seen this on tiktok too it's like it's almost a cult it is look if you actually look at what the definitions like like what what do you look for in a checklist when you're trying to determine if something is a cult yeah it ticks all the boxes i mean it's a cult and i I mean it didn't start that way i don't think i don't know it's really weird and they're even, um, and I don't know, probably I, I'm going to say this, and I have no idea if the person I'm talking about listens to our podcast or not, and I don't care. It's nothing I wouldn't say to his face. Yeah. I have a friend who's not, I mean, he says, I'm not really a Trump supporter. I don't really like the guy. I'd never wanted him to be president in the first place. But, like, he defends him way more than is reasonable. And yeah. he's not, I mean, he's an intelligent, well-educated person who is not hateful in his daily life. Like that's, it makes no sense, but it's like, he's gotten like over the past four years, he's gone from, I never wanted to vote for him. And he'll still say that. Yeah. It's not really how he acts. I don't know. It's the strangest. It is so odd to me. My thing, when people are like, well, you know, you have this, you have like all of the Trump signs and Trump flags and all that stuff. I don't have any of that. For any candidate, I never have. No. Because that not, to me is weird. I'm not like a fangirl for candidates. That's not my thing. Like, I'm not, 
as far as I'm concerned, they want a job and I'm hiring. So I'm interviewing them and then potentially recommending that we hire them. Yeah. That's how I look at political candidates. My, uh, my favorite murders. Um... I posted on my Facebook this week. <laughs> I You're saw like, that. Call your dad. Well, and then I saw a guy comment on it and he was like, and you, all you said was you're in a cult, call your dad. Yep. And he, what did he say? He was like, I don't consider it a cult, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, that's pretty presumptuous of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, huh, interesting that um, you immediately figured that I was talking about Trump. Hmm, funny that you would go there right away. It's a quote from a podcast. <laughs> and I, yeah, look, it was engineered. For people to immediately assume that that's what I was talking about. But the whole point is, you wouldn't assume that if the context wasn't there. Yeah. If it was some, if I had said, if I had posted a different quote from the same podcast, if I had said, um, get a job, buy your own shit, stay out of the forest. Nobody would have immediately been like, oh, you must be talking about politics. (laughs) Like, because it doesn't apply. But interestingly, the whole cult thing totally applies. It does. It really does. And I'm super interested to see how the next four years are going to play out, how the next month is going to play out, or 30 days, because... The next the next month is going to be fucking exhausting. Yeah. Because Trump is going to bluster and cry and whine, and he's probably going to have to be dragged from the White House kicking and screaming. Oh, I hope they live stream it. <laughs> Because I will get my popcorn, I will get my a joint, an alcoholic beverage, and I will enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy every minute. One of the best things I've seen all day was a video that was posted um, by a friend of a friend who lives in NYC. Mm -hmm. And he was just filming literally like off of his balcony. And you can't really see that much, but just the sound, you can hear everybody's celebrating. Oh yeah. I saw videos from Chicago. heartwarming. (laughs) I know. So Chicago, LA, New York, all the big cities like that. I saw a lot of people. And then I saw, (laughs) I was on TikTok and I saw this one guy who was in Texas and he like opened his window and he was like, (laughs) woohoo. He's like, meanwhile in Texas, it's just me. I that's kind of how I felt was like well actually the really the really funny thing is like we've known for what two days that the probability is that Biden has the vote yeah so when do they decide that they're going to actually like the AP is going to bump up the number and we're going to make the announcement we're going to make it like quote as official as it gets until we're actually you know official official yeah Oh, on Saturday during college football when my game was supposed to come on ABC. So we're literally like turned to ABC to watch the game and they're like talking about this. I'm like, we've been doing this for three fucking days right now. Right now is when y'all want to make a thing of it. Excuse me. I just want to watch my football game now. We were at the grocery store this morning when it happened um, and I got a text. I'm in a group text with my bosses and they were like sending memes and stuff. And I was like, okay, so Pennsylvania called it. And then I was like, oh my God, Pennsylvania called it. So I went to go like Google it. And of course I don't have any service in the grocery store. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm just gonna have to to take your word on it till I can. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I was like, I'm so annoyed that I, like, I'm so annoyed that I don't, like, why couldn't we have done this last night when I was, like, ready to be excited about it? Yeah. Instead of, like, this morning while I'm like, okay, but my game's coming on, and, like, I'm sorry, but life goes on, right? Like, regardless of who wins the presidency, my life carries on. (laughs) Did you get to watch the game? Yes, they put it, they bumped it to, like, one of the ESPNs mm. for a while until they went back. But it was weird, like, it was like some, it was like ESPN News, which we, of course, were like, where the hell is ESPN News? That's so really we weird. find the random channel. And then when they went back, they didn't say, like, okay, go back to your normal channel now. It was just like, wait a minute, this isn't a commercial. One of those, it's just like I said, I mean, the first thing literally before I was fully awake this morning when I had no caffeine, the damn shower curtain rod falls on me. I'm like, well, okay, I guess today is going to be like that. Uh, but it, I mean, it ended up good. Mm-hmm. Texas won. Oh, good, good. Alabama Back has not played. They play in 45 minutes, so no pressure. We do not have to finish in 45 minutes. I'll just get the updates. Who does Alabama play this week? LSU. Ooh. Yeah, but I Alabama's kicking ass this season. Um, they played last week. So this could be a whole podcast episode, but I have this theory. It's not really a theory. It's just me being funny. It's mostly. a theory, even but if it's, it's just you being funny. Yeah. My theory is that Saban sold his soul to win games. So this whole, like, you know, they go in at halftime and even if things aren't going well, all of a sudden they come out and it's like magic. They're not. It's not. It's not a halftime pep talk. They go in. They do a summoning circle. They get all of the Alabama players possessed by demons. They come back out and kick everybody's ass. Ah! Um, explains everything. (laughs) For real. I mean, he's an awesome coach, but. um... He is. And look, you know, I mean, I told you, like, Texas is my number one team. But I'm a roll tide kind of girl beyond that, which makes yeah. people crazy. They're like, how can you be both? I'm like, I don't know. You just can. I think if you are a real football fan, you can appreciate a good team and a good coach. Exactly. And it's not yeah. like Saban is a, a bad guy. He He's all about football. He's all about, you know, teaching his team like morals and how to be good sports, you know? Well, and his players love him. Yeah. I mean – he has like the most loyal players. They they love him. So yeah. whatever he's doing, selling a soul to the devil or otherwise, um, somebody's doing it right. Otherwise. So yeah. Anyway, okay, well that's our football talk. <laughs> this has been the football talk segment of our podcast. <laughs> Moving on, I don't really have like any news because we literally just recorded. Okay, well it feels like we recorded the other day, but really we recorded on Tuesday. I- Tuesday feels like Tuesday feels like it was simultaneously the other day and like three weeks ago. This week has been exhausting. Um, we have no news on our house. People are coming to look at it and like they hate our backyard. So they're like, we love your house, but your backyard is not for us. And I'm like, have some fucking imagination, people. It's not that it's not like a crazy backyard. There's just a little slope going up that's so is the mark what is the market like there it's really good i mean our realtor said that within 15 
minutes of our house or five miles of our house. There were no other four-bedroom, three-bath. It's in a brand-new subdivision. We only live there for 11 months. Like, it's a really nice house. It's just people have kids and they want a backyard. I would be so frustrated if I had to move out of a house after 11 months. Yeah. It was a good move, though. Like, it's when we moved to Alabama, and it was much needed because we were – we were putting ourselves in debt, like, yeah, so this was a good move. We're in our one bedroom, one bath apartment now, <laughs> which is a huge difference. Look, there's something to be said for, I mean, honestly, like four bedrooms is, and my house is two us. bedrooms, one bath, and it still frequently feels like, like it's so, I mean, do I really need all of this space? Yeah. I mean, technically, no, it's nice, but I don't, I don't need it. That's how a lot of Americans are. We went on a minimalist kick when we moved here to Alabama and we started like watching documentaries and a lot of people just don't use half of their house. Yeah. I I mean, this house is very, um, because it's an old house, the rooms are, are bigger. So it's not like, it's not all chopped up and you do kind of use the whole house. Mm -hmm. But when I lived in my house in Cedar Park was three bedrooms, two baths, and the, technically the master bedroom was downstairs, but I had my bedroom upstairs because Mm -hmm. laundry room was upstairs. And I mean, really the downstairs bedroom and bathroom pretty much never got used for anything except for like a place to put crap. Yeah. Yeah. That's what what ours was. And then, you know, at some point the second upstairs bedroom kind of just was like, I mean, when I moved out, it was basically, I mean, there wasn't really anything in it. Yeah. So it was like, I'm living in a bedroom, my living room, my kitchen, and one bathroom. We were in that same boat. But now that we have less space, I think once we have more space, we'll be more appreciative. Because we've talked about buying within the next year. And we want at least two bed, two bath. We really Mm -hmm. would like three bed, two bath. Because... We want our bedroom. He has his gaming room. I would like a place to podcast and do yoga. So it makes more sense now. But when we had the four bedrooms, like one room was a workout room and the other two just sat there. Yeah. I mean, it just didn't make sense. But now that we have realigned. There. You what? If I had a workout room, it would just sit there. (laughs) So I used it like the last, because the last few months that we were in the house I wasn't working so that's when I used it and of course like the whole time we were there it just sat there except for those few months anyway so I'm gonna go first this week because you went first last week absolutely let me let my cat in real quick because she's doing her thing so pause okay so okay have you ever heard of Jennifer Kessie no I don't think I hope I really hope I'm saying her last name right she disappeared on January 23rd, 2006. She had just returned from a trip to the Virgin Islands with her boyfriend. So Jennifer Kessie was born May 20th, 1981. She was 24 years old when she disappeared. She was born in New Jersey and then later moved to Tampa, Florida. And then that's where she graduated high school. This is going to be a shit show of an episode. I feel it. I just <laughs> feel it in my bones. <laughs> Good thing I edited things out. What's always good, though, is to have a good attitude. <laughs> this is just going to be a shit show because that's the kind of, like I said, my whole day started with the damn shower curtain rod falling on me out of absolutely nowhere, so. Okay, well, forgive us if this is a shit show of an episode. <laughs> so, 
So she graduated high school in Tampa, Florida. She then went to the University of Central Florida, which is in Orlando, and she graduated from there in 2003 with a degree in finance. Her parents, all of her friends, they all described her as very smart. She was level-headed. She was extremely well-liked. Here's my thing. Why do the cantankerous bitches never go missing? Right. Like, why? why do you never hear, like, look... She was a handful. <laughs> like, I guess because if you tell the police, look, she was a handful, you're going to be a POI, a person of interest. Probably true. <laughs> I just, like, my question is, all, of, all for all of these women that go missing, like, did your, their mothers can honestly say they never said, don't worry, you're not going to get kidnapped, they'd bring you right back. <laughs> like, never, not ever. It's only the nice girls. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So Jennifer, she, like I said, grew up in Tampa, Florida. She was an all-around good kid, and she just grew up into um, an all-around good person. She was starting her own life at just 24 years old. She bought her own condo, and this was in the Mosaic at Millennia Complex. Is the one that was dating the military guy? No. Okay. Wait. Right. He might have been in the military, but in all the articles I read, it didn't say anything about him being Okay, in the then I don't think that's... I, do a lot of girls go missing from Florida? I feel like this is oh, a thing. I'm sure. Florida's a shit show. <laughs> True story. Which is so hey. funny because Ariana, our old co-host, is from Orlando, <laughs> where this is happening. That Well, I mean, she's lucky she's never been kidnapped. Maybe she's a handful. Maybe and she is. A- she's safe. She is, I know from personal experience, she is a handful. See? So that's why. So? Um, that's politeness, right? Sorry. All credit to um, Georgia Hardstark on that, but still, fuck politeness. Fuck politeness. She was 24 years old. She bought her own condo. She was working as a finance manager at the Central Florida Investments Timeshare Company. That is a fucking mouthful in Okawi. County, which is actually the same county that Ariana lives in. I'm wondering if Ariana is the one who told me about this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jennifer disappeared the day after she came back from a trip with her long-distance boyfriend. They went to um, the Virgin Islands. So Rob and Jennifer had been seeing each other for a year, completely long distance. They decided to take some time, travel together, have a nice tropical vacation. When they got back on January 22nd, Jennifer decided to just stay the night at Rob's. Um, she didn't want to travel three hours back to her condo. So she woke up that Monday morning, traveled to work. Everything was normal. She got off work. She called her father at 6.15 on her way home from work. And then she talked to her boyfriend, Rob, at 10 p.m. that night. During his interview with CNN, which was two weeks after her disappearance, Rob was talking about how When they were talking that night at 10 p.m., she said she was tired from their trip. She was still recovering. They both talked about how they missed each other, and they were really looking forward to the next time they saw each other because they did not get to do that very often, being three hours apart. Okay. What do you think, right away off the bat? I'm always like, go for the significant other. I mean, typically, yeah, that's, you know, the the husband did it. It's kind of the, it's a theme because it keeps happening. But in this case, I mean... She was in a different, I mean, I guess my question is, like, can we be sure he was where he says that he was? Yeah, eventually we do find out he is where he says he is. But my first thought as I was, like, starting to read about this is, yeah, I feel like he's going to be a suspect. And he was. Don't don't get me wrong. He was a suspect. But we'll get into that in a minute. 
During his interview, he says that every morning she would wake up and text him, and every night before she went to bed, she would text him. So she had called him the night before, but he didn't hear from her the next morning. He he did call her, and she didn't answer. He just assumed that maybe she had, like, a really early meeting, and so he was going to try her again later that day. So that Tuesday morning, Jennifer was a no-call, no-show at her job, and immediately her coworkers knew something was off. She was always punctual. It was really unlike her to show up to work, to not show up to work without an explanation. Her job contacted her parents, and they immediately jumped in the car to make the two-hour drive to her condo, as well as her brother and his best friend, Travis. So Jennifer's parents explained once they get there, everything looked normal in her condo. There was a wet towel on the bed. Um, Clothes were kind of thrown about, like maybe she just threw her pajamas off, was trying to figure out what to wear, and she'd gotten ready and left for work because her car wasn't there. So they just, that's what they assumed immediately, that she had just left for work and something happened to her on her way to work. I am going to add, because I think it's important, on January 20th, while she was away on vacation, her brother Logan was actually staying at her condo. Okay. He had his best friend, Travis, and they'd been best friends for years. But also Matt, who was Logan's friend, but also Jennifer's ex-boyfriend, which I think... Hmm. Is a little strange, but I I don't know it their relationship. on the context of ex, like if it's a like her ex boyfriend is also friends with her brother. Like, how far removed are we? Like, like they're like it's her ex boyfriend. Like they dated in high school, or it's her ex boyfriend. Like this was the guy she was serious with before she was in the relationship with the current guy. Because those I'm, are super different. I believe it's the the latter. I think that it was a pretty recent breakup. Also, I don't know how far apart they are in age. Right. Maybe he was, Matt was Logan's friend before he dated Jennifer. That's what I was going to say. I, it, part of it has to do with, like, how do they, like, does she know him because of her brother or the other way around? We're going to find out something I mean, a little. Okay. Oh, you know, if the brother, if, even if the, even if the brother became friends with him because they dated, I mean, like, you wouldn't, I guess you wouldn't expect your brother to, like, just not have. Like, just be like, oh, sorry, we can't be friends anymore because my sister's not dating you now. Okay, so by 4 p.m., everyone had arrived at Jennifer's condo, but uh, her parents, Logan and Travis, they immediately start canvassing the area. They're handing out flyers on street corners. Of course, they contacted the police right away, but they were told since she was an adult, it was possible that she just, like, left on her own accord. They can't really do anything about it at the time. So they make her condo their base of operations. Right. And to me, that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I I understand, like, I understand the instinct because you have to be somewhere. Yeah. But what if she was kidnapped from there and there's evidence there and you're trampling all, I mean, first of all, going in her apartment, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, you're potentially destroying evidence. Yeah. Okay. I have a question though. Yeah. So the brother was local. No, he was not local. Um, okay. All right. He was condo. So I was like, does he live there? It just seems like they very, very quickly jump in the car and get there, which is great. But at the same time, I mean, she hasn't been missing. It's not like she's been missing that long. Yeah. Like by the time that they like decide to jump in the car and go to where, go to her house, mm-hmm. she hasn't, She's not so much even missing yet. She's just sort of like 
she's not just answering where where she's expected to be. Right. I agree that with that. Seems like such a big reaction. But I think wonder, it was her. Oh, was there something else going on with her that would make them concerned? I think what made them concerned was how punctual she was and how in contact she was with her boyfriend and with her family. And she was not, it was not like her to just not show up and not contact anybody. So I think immediately they were worried. And then the fact that they only lived two hours away. True. Yeah. I mean, it's not that far. Yeah. It's just, it is, it just seems like such a big reaction for her being, I mean, basically like she didn't show up at work. Yeah. And they immediately like, go there but then they're not they don't assume that the apartment's a crime scene right to me that seems very off um and then later that night the police kind of decide okay well maybe we should take a look and see if there's any evidence and the police arrive at the apartment and there's already 14 people posted up in the base of operations which completely ruined any chance of finding credible evidence that's some John Ramsey shit. Like, yeah. why do you have this many people in here? Fast forward to January 26th. That's three days later. Jennifer's car is found at an apartment complex called the Huntington on the Green. Residents called police to report there had been an empty car sitting there for a few days. And they did this once they saw the description of Jennifer's car on the news. That's all we have. That is, I'm going to, I'm going to go into more of like theories and a little bit more detail, yeah. but that's the timeline. There's nothing. It's almost like she just, she literally just disappeared. She vanished. And again, like we've talked about before, the number of times that that happens, that people just vanish Mm -hmm. is insane. Yeah. Her parents and her friends and family to this day, they do believe very strongly it was sex trafficking, but I'm going to get into the few theories um, that the police have and then the other people have. I guess I sort of understand why you would go there, but at the same time, like, that's not usually an overnight sort of situation. It's like you kind of get pulled into that. So was there some evidence that she was involved in something? There's no evidence that she was involved in anything. Yeah, let me get into it because I had to go like step by step. (laughs) So the case is 14 years old. It's still unsolved. Like I said, it's like she seemingly, seemingly disappeared into thin air. The surveillance video from the apartment where her car was found popped up and it was just extremely grainy and they could not grab a lead from it because honestly, every time, so it showed the person walking from her car out of the apartment complex, but all you can see in the video frame by frame, this person's head is literally behind a fence post in every single frame. You can see his body. You can kind of see, like, what he's wearing. You can see how he's walking. So somebody put her car there that was, like, they can tell it's not her. Yes. Yeah, they can obviously tell it's a man. So, yeah, a journalist who was actually covering this case, and he said this is the luckiest person of interest ever because it is the only surveillance they have of this person. And frame by frame, you cannot see this person's face. Stupid, blind, stupid luck. Like... And, I mean, even if their face wasn't covered by a fence post, you know, I mean, who knows if you could actually pull anything that would really be helpful. Yeah. It might not even be visible enough to matter. But it is ironic that, like, how can you, how can you just end up behind a fence post every time? The FBI was 
was able to help a little bit with the footage, but really all they could come up with on this person of interest was their height was between 5'3 and 5'5. So it's a very short man. I was going to say, so a man, but a small one. Yeah, a little bitty man. (laughs) According to detectives, robbery was absolutely not the motive for the attack or kidnapping, whatever you want to call it, because there were valuable items left behind in her vehicle. Okay. Yeah, search dogs were brought in to kind of follow her scent, and they did follow her scent from her car all the way back to her condo. And I looked and like on so many different websites and articles to try and find if anyone had a length of like how far it was from the apartment complex back to her condo, and there was no. Uh, No, that's what I was thinking too. Like, how far are we talking? Like, is it, and like, is it one of those things where, you know, in order to drive there, you have to go all the way around, but like Mm -hmm. from point A to point B, it's, you know, really short. Yeah, I I could not find it. And then I just tried to Google the apartment complex and I think they've changed the name Mm. because apartments do that. They get bought out. Um, So I, I couldn't find anything, but there was absolutely no evidence found from point A to point B. There was no solid evidence in her vehicle. There was like one tiny trace of DNA that really, they, they didn't even think it would really be able to be used. And police are convinced that the car had um, had been completely wiped down, wiped clean. So this person knew what they were doing, I think. I don't think it was a spur of the moment. Uh-uh. I think that it was like they were casing her. Which a 24-year-old single woman in a city, it's not completely implausible. Like, No, but how... I mean, it does seem unusual that they, that she would have gotten grabbed. Like she was outside of her normal routine because she had just been out of town. But she had been back for a full day and she was like back into her routine. That is true. So maybe this person saw that she was gone for a few days and decided this was the time he was going to do it. Yeah. She was back. I don't know. Um, so the following items are what are known to be missing her cell phone, her iPod, her keys, her purse, and her briefcase. They were unable to ping her cell phone because the battery was taken out. Her bank account, key card, uh, debit card has not been used since her disappearance. So quickly following the discovery of her car, the police set in motion to question everyone they could in her disappearance. The first person they questioned was her current boyfriend, Rob. He was quickly, quickly eliminated as a suspect. He had a really strong alibi and he lived three hours away in Fort Lauderdale. You know, they had just gotten back. He was really cooperative. He interviewed with CNN. So they just dismissed him. The next person of interest they believed could be involved is her ex-boyfriend, Matt. So just a few days prior, Matt had stayed at her house. He told police during his interrogation The day she went missing, he was drinking and pretty drunk across the street at the bar from her, (laughs) at the bar across the street from her house, which seems sus. Matt, why were you doing that? Matt, we have questions. We have lots (laughs) of questions. It's also said in a few articles um, that he'd recently expressed a desire to get back together and seemed a little bit upset over it. The fact that she was like with this other guy and she had moved on, but police say that he is eliminated as a suspect because he has a really strong alibi. One thing 
her family pointed out right away was her apartment complex was, or her condo condominium complex was under construction. She had complained to her mom and her dad and her boyfriend that she was catcalled daily. She was harassed by the men that were working construction on her home. And we can't like, we can't say for certain because when the police tried to interview them, they didn't get, Oh, they didn't have the right translator. Translator, thank you. I was thinking transcriber, and I was like, no, no, that's not right. So, yeah, they didn't have a translator. The police just kind of gave up questioning these people. We're not sure what language they're speaking. We don't understand them, so just forget it. Right, exactly. How is that the way that goes? There is a witness that says between 3 and 3.30 a.m., she saw a a Hispanic man with a ponytail and a woman, and she swears this woman is Jennifer, and she saw these two at Huntington on the green. She wasn't questioned any further. There's really no proof of this. There's no surveillance video. It also wouldn't, I mean, even if she saw them there, like, okay, I mean, her car was there. It stands to reason she was there. So... That doesn't really tell anybody much. No, it doesn't. It's really, it's also important to note in this case that many of the workers who were working on the condominium are also squatting in the empty rooms. So they were staying there, up to 10 men in one condominium while they were working on it. There's would, some sketchy shit going on. Mm-hmm, yeah. You would think that because even if automatically you didn't assume they were involved, they were there at the condominium and you would think they would try and be helpful in whatever way they could when like getting questioned by the police, but they, they were not, they like refused to talk to the police. They refused to talk to the family. And I don't know if it's because reportedly a lot of them were there illegally and they didn't like want to talk to the police or if it's because they were involved, we just don't know. So detectives next moved on to her work. They pulled her work computer. They started doing forensic testing they found out that the manager of the place that she worked desired to have a relationship with Jennifer. She was against it. She was against workplace relationships, but it kind of made police think it's sketchy. This guy might be involved. Um, They interviewed him a ton. Actually, they interviewed him multiple times, but eventually he was eliminated because he had a strong alibi. And it doesn't say anything about what the alibi is. It doesn't say anything about what Rob's alibi was or what Matt's alibi was. And to me, that just, and I guess they can't let everything out. They can't just. Right. And I guess, I mean, Rob's alibi, I feel like is being three hours away. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if he was three hours away and he was at work or whatever, like that's, he's three hours away. Yeah. It's not like he can just appear, snatch her, leave her car at a random apartment complex. And get back to work without anybody noticing. Right. I feel like Matt's alibi, I mean, given that he's admittedly was drinking across the street, like, your alibi is that you were across the street from the potential crime scene? How is that an alibi? But I don't know if that's the alibi they're going off of. That's just kind of information that he gave them, but still very sketchy. Don't like that at all. Yeah, that's a little weird. That situation's a little weird. I think so. Because we know how sketchy and crazy ex-boyfriends who are wanting to get back with you can be it's not healthy and that might not have it might have been a situation where he was honestly just a little upset and he was getting over it yeah but it could have been a situation where he was like real upset and he wasn't going to get over it right it's hard to know when they're not giving much information yeah 
Fast forward three years after her disappearance, disappearance, three years after her disappearance, the lead detective on the quake. Oh, my. Oh, my God. My husband made me a drink right before this, and I never drink and I'm never going to drink again. I just want to know what he made you. So we had some vodka left over from a trip to Tennessee and it's um, like raspberry vodka and he put that in, like, watermelon Tropicana, and it's really good. <laughs> it's it very sounds, fruity, and I can't it taste the vodka. sounds like an umbrella drink kind of drink. And I really, like, if I drink, I drink whiskey, and I really never drink. So this is, like, it's just hitting me. <laughs> Three years later, there was a break in the case when he started questioning new leads. This The lead detective did. He speaks with a former housekeeper of the complex where Jennifer lived. As he's showing her the video footage of the man at Huntington Greens, mm-hmm. he's, the woman says that the way the man walks and dresses reminds her of a man named Chino. And according to her, Chino used to do maintenance at the complex where Jennifer lived. So this seems like a, a possible lead. Definitely. Yeah. So the detective gets did some more digging. He found that Chino did actually work and live in the complex. And then about a week before... Or maybe two weeks before Jennifer disappeared, he was in there working on her apartment with her in the apartment. Like she, he was there doing maintenance and she was there and he admitted to that. But also a week after her disappearance, there was a call to the hotline and it was anonymous and it said that a man named Chino could potentially be involved. So things are kind of lining up to where the arrow is pointing to Chino. He, he could be the one that did this. Right. So in 2009, the detective goes to interview him and finds out he's actually currently serving time for a statutory rape charge. Not good. Not good. Chino kind of agreed with him. He said, yeah, I was in her apartment. He said everything was normal. I have no idea what happened to her. He never admitted to anything. He said, yeah, I have no idea. I was I was there. She was cool. Like she let me in. I had to do some maintenance and I never saw her again. It just it just doesn't add up. He took a polygraph test and he passed. Um, through the years, there have been some changes to her case. In 2010, the lead detective, who had been on it since the beginning, was reassigned. The family, and this is any family that has a missing persons case and there's just nothing being done about it, they started to get really, really frustrated with the Orlando Police Department. Oh, yeah. I mean, and whether the police are not doing anything on the case or not, families are bound to get frustrated because they want answers and they're just not getting them. Right. So in 2016, Jennifer was legally declared dead by the state of Florida. This was obviously really, really hard for her family because there was no body. There was no information. No questions had been answered. Yeah, that is very frustrating. It is really frustrating. December of 2019, the Kess family sued the police department to obtain a copy of Jennifer's case file. They eventually settled in the spring of 2019. The whole deal was once the case file was handed over, the Orlando police department would no longer be responsible for investigating her case. So what was actually handed over to the family was 16,000 pages of documents and 67 hours of video and audio tape footage. And the family on their website says that they have not been able to comb through all of this. There is no active investigation because no police department is handling this right now. It's just kind of the family 
Well, yeah, because I mean, once they turned over the once they turned over the case file, they've broken the chain of evidence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I totally understand where they're coming from saying, look, if we hand all this over, we can't continue to investigate it as we normally would because we can no longer account for the chain of evidence. Yeah. I that's, think I feel like that's a be careful what you wish for kind of situation. Like, great, now you have sixteen thousand pages worth of stuff and you don't have you don't have the experience yeah. nor the time to actually go through it and now the police department's not working on it either. Right. They did hire a really good private investigator, but he even with all this information, he hasn't been able to find any answers either. So obviously they've never stopped searching for answers because it's 2020, 14 years later. They have this private investigator. They're still they're still searching. The latest update on their website, which is jenniferkessie.com, states that they've collaborated with media outlets. They did a segment on Up and Vanished, which is on the Oxygen channel, and Dr. Oz. She also had a spotlight on 48 Hours. The family does have a GoFundMe page to help monetize their efforts. That can be found on their website. And they also have a tip line, which can also be found on their website. I know. Once again, somebody just vanishes into thin air as though they never existed. Yeah, it's... um, And I know a lot of people don't like unsolved cases like this. They don't like missing persons. But it's just really important to talk about them. Yeah. Get them out there. I mean. Well, it's important, I think, for people to realize. I mean, that's one thing that I think you hear over and over is people who are the victims or I guess the victims' families in these cases. And you hear them say people don't just disappear. Mm -hmm. And it's like. Yeah, they do daily. Yeah. Like it's not even that uncommon. People disappear all the time. So I think that to me, that's the most important thing for people to realize is like, yes, people do vanish. Yeah. And if you don't, I mean, you know, this is, this is where it's, you know, the, if I go missing folder, which I don't have for the record, but I understand why people have them. Yeah. Yeah. Like ways to access their information, you know, passwords and all that kind of stuff, because Mm -hmm. otherwise you have, it takes so long to get any information and get access to bank accounts and um, credit cards, cell phones, whatever, that by the time they get it, it's too late for them to actually be able to make use of it. My husband and I, um, we had this discussion not too long ago and he told me, there's a file on his computer where all of our like stock information is and all of this important information. We have joint bank accounts and we had this discussion about like, if I were to go missing, what is one thing that I wouldn't leave without? Like if I were to just up and leave something that I would always take with me. So like you would know. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. like for me, it was, I have a security blanket, like a lovey, and I have to sleep with it because I'm a child. I have to sleep with it. And he's like, I know that if you were to disappear, if that was still here, something's wrong. Right. So I think it's important for you to have those conversations with your significant other or just people in your life. Like, hey, this could really happen to me. Like, let's talk about it. Right. Like, what would, what would you, how would you know? What would you know? Like, what little thing would make you go, look, I know that something's wrong because of this. What would yours be? I don't know. I mean, 
mine would be, if my mother doesn't know where I am, something's wrong. She always knows where I am. Yeah. Like, I mean, almost daily. Because she, I live five minutes from her. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if my mom doesn't know where I am, something's probably wrong. However, for sure, before Julius died, if I wasn't at home and Julius was mm-hmm. and nobody knew where I was, that would have been everybody's clue that something was very, very wrong because I would have never, ever left him without somebody to take care of him. Yeah, yeah. So probably still my pets, but at the same time, not quite as much because, I mean, Ozzy, my my pets now could be left on their own for two or three days as long as, I, you know, with food or whatever without it yeah. being a big deal. I don't know. I don't know that there's one thing that everybody would know. So, yeah, that was... That was that case. Um, definitely check out their website. Uh, call the tip line if you have any kind of tip. Go help their GoFundMe. What you got this week? Since I mentioned it mm-hmm. last week, I'm just gonna go ahead and tie in to my Scooby Doo, and we're just gonna we're gonna start with the Anunnaki as they relate to Scooby Doo. This is gonna this turned into a two part thing, so we'll start with we're gonna kind of reverse engineer the Anunnaki. Starting with their tie-in to Scooby-Doo, um, just because that's, I wouldn't have even really thought of it except of Scooby-Doo. Um, so, like we were talking about last week, there's a handful of kind of conspiracy-ish theories related to Scooby-Doo. And we talked about one of the origin stories, the space dog thing and how, you know, that's where he came from. But... Like I said, that's the OG cartoon. Yeah. So in the kind of one of the revamps, which is um, Scooby-Doo Mysteries Incorporated, they actually kind of tackle the origin story since it had never really been fully addressed. Um, And their approach to it is a tie-in with the Anunnaki. So let's, let me just, Kind of, like I said, this is going to be a two-part thing because this is a whole thing. Yeah. And I'm, even in two parts, I'm probably not, somebody out there is going to be like, that's not everything. Because it's very complicated. But kind of generally, so the Anunnaki are a completely different, I almost hesitate even to say race of, one of the things I found was reading about says race of creatures living in another dimension. These guys tie into the ancient astronaut theories. Oh. So, and it's actually, I'm actually really impressed with the fact that the Scooby-Doo cartoon, the Mysteries Incorporated cartoon that did this, they actually do a really good job of including some factual information in this whole thing, um, including the name of an author that I'm going to get to who kind of talks about this theory. It's really, they did a really, really good job with it. So I'm kind of like, you know what, guys? I don't know. I like the space, I like the Soviet space dog thing, but at the same time, I really like how much thought went into this. So, okay. The tie-in with Scooby is the way that they explain the Anunnaki um, is that they are basically sort of a formless entity. Mm-hmm. that inhabit a planet called Nibiru and they're once every I want to say it's every few thousand years but I want to say that it's supposed to be every 3600 years the planet Nibiru comes close enough to earth 
that it allows the Anunnaki to interact with humans. Throughout history, there are Anunnaki. Some of them are good and like to help humanity out, and others are evil. Well, in the Scooby-Doo version of this, they reveal that there is a sarcophagus buried beneath Crystal Cove that contains one of the most evil Anunnaki. The Anunnaki do not have a physical form. Like I said, they're not... That's why I say I hate to call them like a race of creatures because they're almost like pure consciousness. I'm not even sure what to call them because they're not ghosts. I guess maybe just extraterrestrials that don't... They don't have a physical form. So in order to interact with humans or with Earth, they inhabit the bodies of animals. They're noted as being responsible for mythological figures such as Egyptian gods like Anubis, the Monkey King, which is a Chinese mythology character, Quetzalcoatl or the Aztec, and kind of like on down the line, pretty much if there's a anthropomorphized character in mythology, the Anunnaki are tied to that as like, that's how that, that entity came to be because they are Anunnaki. It says that animals who can talk are descendants of the Anunnaki and therefore Scooby-Doo is a descendant of the Anunnaki. This is, this is crazy. (laughs) In addition to that, uh, Anunnaki descendants have a longer lifespan than normal animals and are of a higher intelligence level. This all so I said it was Mystery Incorporated where they did this. It's actually in season two, and one of the characters who is kind of a big player in this storyline is Nova. She's a cocker spaniel who is Scooby's girlfriend. Wow. And she's so it's kind of weird because she mostly behaves like a regular dog. Like she does not talk until She has an, I think she's kidnapped. I can't remember the storyline and it wasn't like, that's a, it really wasn't that important, but she actually is, um, she's in a coma. And while she's in a coma, she starts appearing in Scooby's dreams, anthropomorphized and talking and explaining to him the Anunnaki and the fact that he is a descendant of them and that it's, you know, he's going to have to be the one to, prevent the evil Anunnaki buried under Crystal Cove from taking over the world. So um, she explains how the time coincides with like how Nibiru and Earth are close enough that the entities are able to interact every several thousand years, a few thousand years, whatever it is. Um, She warns him about the evil entity and she goes on, she goes on to explain how, this entity manipulated a group of four humans and an animal to set him free and instructs them to find the heart of the Jaguar to destroy the entity. If you don't watch this cartoon, that makes no sense. If you do, that's definitely professor Pericles. (laughs) And it actually, they go on to explain that professor Pericles is also related to the Anunnaki. Am I going to get major flack because I'm not a Scooby-Doo fan? I mean, probably. (laughs) You're going to be shunned. You're going to be shunned. For me, Scooby-Doo is like, it's like the ultimate, like, get a bowl of cereal, 
sit in front of the TV on a Saturday morning kind of cartoon. It has always been my favorite since I was little. I also so. don't like cereal, so. Okay, now you're shut. <laughs> I'm sorry. How does a human not like cereal? It is, it does nothing for me. It doesn't fill me up. It's just like, I'm, I don't really like sweet stuff. Okay, well, that's, I guess that makes sense. Because, I mean, yeah. like, if you, so my pantry is, basically I'm an eight-year-old with access to a bank account. Okay. And frequently my grocery shopping, I get home and I'm like, I have cereal, three kinds of yogurt, gummy bears, and graham crackers. Nice. Like, what did I buy? What was my plan? What was I thinking? <laughs> You're just going to get takeout every night. So, okay, real talk, though. Um, we've talked about how H-E-B is, like, the grocery store of all grocery stores. Mm-hmm. They have the best, like, pre-portioned meals. Mm-hmm. And they're not, they're not like TV dinners. They're, like, like you actually have to cook them. But yeah. they're like, it's all like already pre-portioned. It's just one dinner and they're all so good. Our if Publix it, has uh, that, but I haven't tried it. I would eat so many fucking gummy bear and graham cracker dinners. <laughs> you know what we need is we need a HelloFresh sponsor. We should. Okay. Here's the problem though. I'm so not going to cook that. Oh, I really. So we used to do it and really it's, it's pretty good. It's just. Um, we didn't want to spend the money on it. I, my, I can cook. I just don't, I don't want to put forth the effort to cook a meal for me. I feel that. You know, it's just like, I don't, because I'm not good with, I'm not great at eating leftovers. So. (laughs) I fucking hate leftovers. I have my moments and there's some things like pasta. Pasta is probably going to get eaten. That's fine. I can probably eat pasta leftover, but they're very... Once, once, like leftovers are once, mm-hmm. not six times. No, my husband meal preps and it works for him because he can eat the same thing for days uh, on end and he's okay with like leftovers. But for me, what turns me off of leftovers is meat. I will never eat leftover meat. Okay. It's dry. It's like, it's just horrible. Ooh. Also, I don't like cooking. I hate cooking. I, Tonight I'm making sloppy joes. I don't really like I every now and then I get in the mood to like cook a meal, but really I like to bake. I like to make food that no one actually needs to survive. I love that. That's make me some cupcakes and send them my way. Absolutely. I will totally make you although cupcakes are kind of hard to ship. You could do cookies. I could do cookies. I make some mean cookies. My husband has the biggest sweet tooth, so he would be all for that. Make him raspberry cookies, and he might marry you. I don't know. <laughs> One, I don't want anyone to marry me. Two. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing that out there. Two, I don't think I've ever made raspberry cookies, but now I'm like, I feel like some like white chocolate cookies with raspberry filling would be amazing. His favorite cookies ever. And we get them every time we go to Disney because they're only at Disney. White chocolate chunk pieces. Uh huh. Raspberry jam in the cookie. And it's like chunky. They're like chunky cookies. I, okay, so, so we, we've totally digressed, but I don't care. I, okay, so Disney World is like my happy place. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been in way too long. 
And now there's like a I was supposed to be going in January. Like when the pandemic started, I was literally like that week I was going to do my deposit for my January trip. And then I was like, I'm just going to wait. And I'm glad I did because now if it hadn't, I would be I would be so stressed or I would have been. I probably would have canceled by now because I was going to do I do dining plan. Oh, yeah. Because you always have extra snacks that you don't end up because you have like there you don't eat as much as you can eat on a on the deluxe dining plan. You just like even even if you eat three meals a day, you do not eat all of the food, including all the snacks. But my favorite thing is to like gather up snacks as you're leaving. And then after you get home, you like portion them out. So when you're having a rough day, you can like, oh, let me grab a Disney snack. So last month, I definitely paid way too much um, <laughs> to have a box of Disney snacks sent to like, me. What did you have box. sent to you? So I didn't get to choose, which is the thing, the reason that I probably won't do it again through that person. Um, if I know somebody who's going and like, you know, either who works there, or who's going, I would totally pay somebody else to do it so I could pick. What I ended up getting is candy corn, like, no, not candy corn. It's not caramel corn. It's like candied popcorn, candy okay. popcorn, caramel yeah. popcorn. I don't know. I don't think it's caramel. But it's like candy coated popcorn. Mm-hmm. I got um, a thing of rock candy, the little rock candy wands with the little Mickey's on the ends of the sticks. Mm-hmm. I got a, a Mickey peanut butter cup. I got a thing of jelly beans. Oh, all I sweet just, stuff. I, I got yeah, it's all totally all candy. Um, but then, like I said, that's why like. The things that I would have chosen, like the Chippendales spicy snack mix is at the top of my list. Things Ooh. that I I did get a rice a Mickey Rice Krispie treat, like the Halloween version of the Rice Krispie treat, which was that was the first thing to go. I could <laughs> not wait to eat that. I do love a Rice Krispie treat. They're my favorite. And I got a bakery um like chocolate chip cookie, which was good, but by the time I got it, it was kind of it wasn't as good as it would have been. Yeah. So But it was still, just having my Disney snacks still made me happy. (laughs) (laughs) That's what matters. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to circle back um, to my Anunnaki, where I'm actually, this is kind of short, because like I said, it's it's so in-depth that trying to do it all at once would have been crazy. So Scooby knows now that he's an Anunnaki, or a descendant of the Anunnaki. They go on to explain that when the entity was freed from his sarcophagus in Crystal Cove, he had minions that came out along with him and rounded up townspeople to deliver to the entity to be feasted upon, which is a little dark, even for Scooby-Doo. For real. (laughs) Scooby ultimately destroys the sarcophagus. Spoiler alert, guys. If y'all haven't seen it, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And this ultimately creates a new timeline, and that really doesn't have anything to do. That that's a whole other spinoff situation for the Scooby Universe. But what? So I, I mentioned that when they talk about it, they actually do link some, like they they mention some real sources. Velma, of course, Velma with the real source citations mm-hmm. mentions the author Zachariah Sitchin. Who who is a real person? He authored books proposing an explanation 
for human origins involving ancient astronauts. And he attributed the creation of the ancient Sumerian culture to the Anunnaki. He refers to them as a race of extraterrestrials. But he does, he says that the planet Naboo is beyond Neptune. He calls it the 12th planet. And he actually has, um, he ha- there, he is a fairly prolific writer. And just a tiny bit of background, because this is kind of where I'm going to start for our next episode, mm-hmm. is with him. So just a little bit of background. He was born in 1920 in Azerbaijan and died in 2010 in the United States in New York. He was educated at the London School of Economics and Political Science, the the London School of Economics and Political Science at the University of London. He is an internationally acclaimed author and researcher, and his books go, offer evidence that we're not alone in our solar system. He actually is one was when he was alive one of only a handful of scholars who are able to read the Sumerian cuneiform tablets. And he's combined archaeology, ancient text, biblical references, and scientific discoveries to retell the history and prehistory of humanity and our planet. His books have been translated into a ton of different languages. They're considered to be textbooks. Um, and they're, they've kind of been, there is, he has a book that is specifically about the Anunnaki, mm-hmm. but it is actually like things taken from several of his other books and combi- compiled into a book. So any of his, I guess it sounds pretty, pro- I mean, his, his writing is pretty prolific. He's got a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, one of his books is called the 12th planet. And like I said, that is the planet Nibiru is what he refers to as the 12th planet. So. I feel like I have heard of that before. I feel yeah. like I have. It definitely comes up if you watch if you've ever watched Ancient Aliens. It definitely comes up, and he comes up. Although I didn't know until I really started kind of backtracking because I I watched the episode where she's where Velma explains this, and when she said his name, I'm like, I think that's a real person. <laughs> and when I looked at him, I'm like, she's actually explaining like she's explaining who this person is, and like a very quick, concise explanation of what his books say. That's and amazing for the writers of that show. They did such a good job. I mean, to t- if you're going to tie something in, you might as well give all the info. And they did a fantastic job of doing that. Yeah. So, so that's, that's going to be part one of Anunnaki. And we're going to come back next, next podcast. I'll kind of go a little more in depth into some of his theories and, um, what he talks about in his books as, as well as any other, some other people who have written about this and discussed it. So I'm excited. Do you think that'll be a long episode? I don't, it could be, Mm -hmm. it almost could be like, there's so much Mm -hmm. that it's kind of hard to pare down, but I I think it it definitely could be a long episode, but I'm going to try to pare it down because otherwise it's just so much. Well, I was going to say, if it, if it is going to be long, like, let me know and we can do a whole episode just for that. Okay. I mean, like, I'll take a week off and you can just own it and just tell us all about it. It's such a rabbit hole because one thing just ties into another thing into another thing. So, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh God, I'm deep in the rabbit hole. Exactly. I'm like, I got here because of, because of a Scooby-Doo conspiracy theory. (laughs) 
I'm I'm really digging my cartoon conspiracies. Oh, did you look at that post I tagged you in? I did, and um, some of those looked interesting, but some of them, I mean, first of all, I'm a Disney devotee. I'm never going to say anything negative about Disney. Disney's pretty sketchy, though. Walt Disney had some issues. Nazi tendencies. Some Nazi tendencies, yes. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but here's the thing. He's been dead a long time. It's His true. children basically don't even still control the corporation. So, so it has his name on it, but like that's why when I, I I hear people now and then like, oh, you, you know, can't support Disney, they're Nazis. I'm like, let's say that Walt Disney was an actual Nazi. Let's say he was truly like deep into this shit. Okay. But he's dead now. It's like yeah. it's just a company with his name on it now. Like they're not really <laughs> No, I agree. Yeah. Um it's fun to talk about and like think about all these like Disney conspiracy theories, but at the end of the day, he's been dead for a very long time. And there are some interesting, I've seen some interesting ones. Um, One of my favorites though, is people talking about like, did you know there is a toll tunnel system under Disney world? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. How do you think they get from point A to point B? Honestly, I, I understand why there is a tunnel system, but I just recently learned about that in the last few years and it did blow my mind. I guess because I'm just like total Disney World nerd. Mm -hmm. But the first time I heard somebody say that as though like it was some massive conspiracy, I'm like, how did you think that the characters just magically appeared and then magically disappeared? Like, did you think it was real magic? I don't understand. Like, where did you think they were coming from? I just never thought about it. That's the thing. Which which totally makes sense. I totally understand not having thought about it. But when you, I mean, once you know they're there, it's like, oh, well, yeah, they do have to move. How does the churro stand get restocked? It's a tunnel. Girl, you are a Disney fan. I did not know you were this deep into Disney. I am ridiculous about Disney World. It is my favorite place. I honestly, when I was was planning on going in January, I was probably going to go by myself because literally no one can handle my level of cheerfulness at Disney World. How far is it? Do you drive or fly? Um, I've done both. I don't really like to fly. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a long drive from here. It's like, I mean, it's like a full, it is a full day. It's like 20 hours or something. What? But um, there's a lot of places that you can stop. I mean, you could actually stop and spend a day in several different places between here and there. It's not bad. I prefer driving. I don't like to be, here's my thing about flying. In addition to the fact that I just don't really like to fly. I really hate being on someone else's schedule. Oh, I feel that. I I really like to be able to control like, okay, I'm leaving, you know, if I want, if I want to be in the car Mm -hmm. all day in order to get from point A to point B, I can make that choice. Mm -hmm. If I take my sweet ass time, I can take my sweet ass time. I hate flying. I really, really hate it mainly because every time I fly, I get sick. Every Mm -hmm. single time I fly, I get sick and I hate it. Yeah, I understand that. It is not a good time. It's just not my thing. I don't enjoy it. I just. The seats are uncomfortable. I'm not going to pay all the extra fees. So I don't. I hate getting to the airport so early. It's such. It, it was never fun. But post 9-11, like, ugh. It's exhausting. I really. I flew before 9-11. But I'm just going to, like. I'm going to try and say this without bragging. I flew on my uncle's private jet. <laughs> 
what? Which he's not my uncle anymore. It was like they divorced and it was weird, but that's what I did for the longest time. And it was really until I was, I didn't fly commercial till I was a teenager and I hated it. I just don't like flying. I don't really like being up in the air. It freaks me out. I don't, I don't enjoy that. Um, I really don't. I, I, I've realized that one of my biggest issues is like, I don't know who's in control of this situation. Like I, like why am I just supposed to trust that you know what you're doing? And I've realized this because I know a couple of people who are pilots and I'm like, okay, see if I could just fly when you're flying, I'd be fine. I feel like, you know, so many people. I feel like each episode you're like, my friend, I know this person. I'm like, wow, it makes me realize I have four friends. (laughs) I, I, I do. I know a lot of people who do a lot of different, very interesting things. That is definitely true. That's cool though. It is. You have a broad circle. I do have a pretty broad circle. I mean, most of like, I do know, I know people who are pilots, but they're, I mean, it's not like, these are not like my best friends who I talk to every day, but at the same time, like if I could only fly on when Steven's flying straight, good. I'm set. I'm happy girl, which is kind of funny because when we were in high school, if you had said to me, someday you will say that you will be happy flying on a plane only if he is the one flying it, I would have been like, really? <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> you sure about that? Are you sure? <laughs> right. Is that, was that it for you this week? That is it for me this week. And we will go, but we will come back into these, these uh, extraterrestrial entities next week with a little more non-Scooby related details. I'm super excited so, to hear about it and I'm super and excited. I don't know what everybody thinks. Like do we think Scooby's Anunnaki or do we think he's a Soviet space dog? Ooh. I still have to put that poll up. So I was kind of waiting Could for people. He be both. Yes. I was kind of waiting for people to like listen to the episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll put that poll up and see what people think. Yes. I want to know. I want to know if everybody thinks so follow us on our social media, Wild and Woke Pod on Instagram, uh, Wild and Woke Podcast on basically everything else. Join our Patreon, leave us a review, tell us that you love us because we love you. If you're in Florida, send us candy from Disney. Yes, the cookies, <laughs> the cookies from Disney. Send those to Rich Foster. <laughs> Happy non-Trump America, everybody! Yay! Go celebrate and enjoy your yes, weekend. And here's the thing, if you're not celebrating and you're really sad, I'm sorry, but I really feel like things are going to be better. They are going to be better. I'm going into this positively, positively? Mm-hmm. Yes, what? positive mindset, for sure. Yeah. Bye.